Okay, so we are live. First interview of the podcast ever. And how fitting is it to have one of my best friends in the whole world, one of the most noble and solid guys that I've come to know, uh, my homeboy, my brother from another mother, uh, Lance Corporal in the Marine Corps. Um, I call him Motor T. The rest of you call him Cole Miller. What's up, Cole? Hi. <laughs> so it just for context, Cole um, is no longer in, in the Marine Corps. He did his time, got out. Now he's um, he'll tell you a little bit more about that. But he works third shift, and I work first. So this is our overlap time. So to be clear, I'm drinking coffee. Cole, what are you drinking right now? Coffee. Amazing. See, he's staying up just so he can talk to all of us. That's that's a lie. I'm drinking Before. beer. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, so, <laughs> so um, I wanted to talk to Cole because it's really important that there's a lot of people out there and the vast majority of people I feel like tend to try and shy away from conflict and people who don't mind conflict. And so there's a large swath of individuals in this country that don't have friends that have came anywhere close to like being in the military or even being overseas. And, but these people are, they all, everybody has an opinion and most people are willing to share theirs. So I thought it was important that we talk to somebody who has some type of experience in all of this and get a good solid view of what it's, you know, what it's like. We all know what's going on with the Afghanistan pullout and all that other stuff. Um, I will say that I'm surprised that Biden has any children considering how he pulls he pulls out so fast and doesn't really give any kind of time he's probably you know emptying his balls in his fucking jeans on his way home from wherever he just was but plow anyway is strong super plow game is major strong but let's um real quick cole just tell people uh, a little bit about your your yourself and your time over there and then you know we'll get into the meat and potatoes okay uh so uh the very beginning so uh i graduated high school in 2008 i'm a youngster um graduated june 7th i think it was left for marine corps boot camp June 9th, uh, Marine Corps boot camps, uh, three months. Uh, so June, July, August, I was in Paris Island, South Carolina, which, uh, if you're looking for a vacation spot at that time, I would not, uh, recommend that place. Uh, so did that, uh, went through all my different training, whatever. Uh, I was motor T 
uh, truck driver, pretty much anything that had wheels, I drove it. Um, so, uh, deployed, let's see here, end of 2009, beginning of 2010, um, went with, uh, see, I feel like I, I gotta be kind of careful about what I say, because I I'm, know I'm, I'm going to be on some kind of government watch list after this. Uh, well, you, you know they love me, so it's it, you know. But I think I think you'll be okay. I, uh, let's just say whatever we want, and then if we both get in trouble, we'll be in there together. It's fine. Word, I like it. All right. Uh, <laughs> so I deployed with uh, the Navy. Actually, uh, it was a Marine Corps unit attached to the Navy. We deployed um, a couple weeks early. I think it was uh, to Haiti. When they had their earthquake in, uh, so the beginning of 2010, because I'm pretty sure it was like January or something. Um, so went on that deployment. Super cool deployment. Uh, I think we visited somewhere around. This is an estimated uh, number, somewhere around 18 different countries on that deployment. Oh, that's pretty now, cool. Now that that unit that I was a part of. Um, is considered uh, like a like a nine one one for America. So, correction for like the world. So, at all times, there are three different units from the West Coast, from the East Coast, and from uh, Japan that are out floating around the ocean. Okay. Um, so at all times, there's a, there's three units out there floating around. And if something pops off close to uh, an area like, let's say, Yemen or Syria or, I don't know, what's something y'all can relate to? Oh, Afghanistan. Um, <laughs> um, the respective, uh, group that's out there will be, uh, first responders to it. Uh, so as I said, we went to Haiti for the earthquake. Uh, we had troops on the ground for, I want to say it was probably about a month. I was only there for two weeks, I want to say. Uh, but we we left, left troop, troops behind and then eventually turned it over to the army. Um, so during, during that um, deployment, it was a lot of fun because you have a lot of Liberty ports. You get to go I mean, I was in Spain, Dubai, Djibouti, Oman, Jordan, Greece. That's just some of them. I can't even remember all of them now. Um, can, I just, can I just say that Djibouti sa- it just sounds like an awesome place? Uh, it's I like... Mean, I'll be honest with you. I thought the same thing before we got there. 
You were like Djibouti. Yeah, I was like, yeah, booty. Yeah, it's been a while. I'm ready to get to Djibouti. No, it's it's not all that not all that great. (laughs) Uh, won't say it's terrible, uh, but it's not all that great. But anyway, um, so uh, what was I saying? I'm sorry because I interrupted you about the booty. Yeah. No, so um so like during our our time, um a different ship than the one that I was on, it wasn't the one I was on, set a new naval record for uh longest time at sea. Um this was right around the time that a bunch of stuff was popping off in Yemen. Um so they just sat right off the coast of Yemen. I don't even remember how many, I want to say, I'm probably way off here, but I want to say it was like 180 days or something like that. They set off the coast of Yemen and just kind of hung out. This uh, was also the ship. They always got the shore end of the stick. I won't lie. They, uh, (laughs) they also got attacked by pirates. Um, in Somalia, I think it was. When I say that, it was like pretty much a John boat. Yeah, with, like who does that? <laughs> yeah. A John boat with like two machine guns on it going after a naval ship. Who do you think is going to win? Yeah. Um, so anyway, so uh, that deployment I was on, uh, there was, I want to say... 10,000 sailors, maybe 5,000 Marines on it. So so you're saying the Navy was outnumbered. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And hey, actually, let me uh, go back real quick. I wasn't wasn't real crazy about going out with the Navy anyway, because you know what they say about the Navy, right? Yes. Yes. 100 sailors go out, 50 couples come back. Anyway. (laughs) um, So... I find that funny, but at the same time, I try. You know, I had my delayed entry, and then they they rejected me. The Navy sucks. Oh God, I forgot about that. I'm sorry, dude. I didn't know. <laughs> no, it's okay. I bet you, if I would have tried to go Marine Corps, they probably would have taken me, despite all of the punches thrown and the the arrests made prior to. But that's fine. True, but you also would have been great in the Navy because you know, butt stuff. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, butt stuff. Djibouti. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so uh, we had probably, I don't even know now, I'd say probably about 150 vehicles on the truck or on the ship um, and two LCACs, which are uh, hovercrafts. Uh, so what they would do is they would get us close to whatever land we were getting on and uh, like, especially trying to, th- well, prime example, Haiti. So they get us within like a mile of uh, landfall and then these hovercrafts would take us to land. It sounds super cool. It was not, it sucked. Um, <laughs> the, the hovercrafts were always breaking down and, um, Oh, I bet you they were loud as shit, too. Yeah, yeah, dude. 
um, like have to rock ear pro like for an entire mile going seven miles an hour or something. Well, so like they gave you options. You could either ride in your vehicle or you could ride in their little cabin thing. I never went in the cabin. I always just stayed in my truck um, and just left the windshield wipers on. But the fans on the back of these things, dude, the fans, the, the diameter of the fans, there was two of them, um, were probably, the diameter was probably about the length of, like, my pickup truck. Like, there were Oh, yeah, nuts. Jesus, huge. So loud as shit. So you can't even take a nap when you're trying to, you know, in the, in the ass crack of dawn when they're trying to put you on land. Uh, but yeah, so did that, uh, fast forward though. So, um, the next time that I really, uh, or I should say the first time I really got to interact with Middle East, we were in, uh, Kuwait, uh, Kuwait was considered a non-hostile area. We got there, uh, started out non-hostile, ended up getting in a few little firefights and uh, clearing some buildings. But you were talking about clearing buildings was the last thing that we were talking about. Uh, yeah. So when you, you, were, you cleared a few buildings or something? Yeah, so uh, we'd go on convoys um, here and there and... <laughs> Here and there, we we were like constantly on convoys. Anytime we were on land, we were on convoys. Uh, so the that's got to be like a that's so it as Motor T, you're driving. Your responsibilities, I would assume, are either pulling equipment, carrying equipment, or carrying soldiers. Actual fucking soldiers and so if you're on convoys and you're in and out of these streets in this weird fucking place and you're driving it's like you know the way that they from what i understand the way that the, that they were hitting you know the uh explosive devices and like weird shit like that like your ass must have been fucking tight like the entire time. Well, all right. So, so the, the way it was explained to me was uh, during my enlistment, and even um, if I would have done an enlistment beforehand, uh, so 2004 to 2008, 2008 to 2012, um, those eight years. Uh, Motor T, I don't think it was the most, but one of the most uh, dangerous jobs uh, in the U.S. military um, because of the roadside bombs. Um, so, yeah, there was definitely, uh, definitely butt pucker moments for sure. Now, those uh, weren't those weren't IUDs. No, and no. I, an IUD is a completely different thing. Well, I wouldn't say it's completely different, but it's a little bit different. Yeah, 
So the the so the term is actually IED. Yeah, yeah. So they don't actually insert the bombs up in your uterus. Oh, oh, see, I had it wrong the entire time. It's all right. It's Fuck me right. and my civilian fucking imagination. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I I will as long as you have an IUD. Um, <laughs> so so anyway, uh, goddamn. Um, so yeah, so uh, there was definitely some butt pucker moments there. Um, I I won't necessarily even go into uh, the guts of it or anything, but um, <laughs> oh shit! I just made a pun. I didn't even realize it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. This is a anyway. great first interview for my podcast. I fucking love it. <laughs> so, uh, so no, but um, so uh, actually, uh to go back and not to correct you, but uh, to correct you. Um, so not only was I hauling troops and uh, cargo, I'll say cargo as far as uh, there was sometimes where I was towing a D7 uh, bulldozer. Uh, other times I was hauling, you know, Humvees or ammo or water, or whatever. So it it all just depended on uh, what kind of convoy you were doing, what you were going to go do. Um, so sometimes uh, a lot of times we were going to resupply the grunts right so on those trips we would take mostly ammo and water and food so we would just have you know pallets of mres in the back and everything uh so actually funny story about this so i'm in jordan okay uh I go on this convoy where we were stationed at was right on the water. Uh, I don't even remember what sea that is right there. Red sea or dead sea. One of the two. Um, beautiful crystal clear water. I got to snorkel out in there and everything. Uh, but anyway, so, uh, we went on this convoy. We're going to go resupply some grunts. Uh, it's all uphill up a mountain. It's like, I don't even know what the percentage was. I'll say 32. That sounds high. It was steep. So <laughs> we're going up this mountain the whole damn time getting up there. And, uh, it takes us like, I want to say like three and a half hours. Keep in mind, we have the Jordanian army as our escorts. And they're in these, like, little dune buggy type things. Like, so they're just, like, hauling ass ahead of us, clearing traffic out of the way, and uh, making people move over so we can keep coming through. So. Did, did, they, have, did they have their jump mans on? Yes. Nice. Yeah. Got to so fit, fit the bill. 
my uh one of one of my best friends um I know you heard me talk about him, Schnockenberg. Schnockenberg, yeah, for sure. Shouts to Schnockenberg. The old, the old shake and bake is what we called him. Um, <laughs> so he, uh, he was my a driver, my assistant driver, right? We're in a seven ton, um, hauling ass up these these hills. When I say hauling ass, I mean probably twenty five miles an hour. And on the way there. I'm like, hey, dude, you gotta, you gotta stay awake with me, the whole trip. He's like, yeah, man, of course I will, for sure. I was like, all right. He's like, you just let me know when you're hungry, I'll make you an MRE, and you can keep driving. I was like, sweet deal. <laughs> so uh, about I know where this is going. Please continue. Not that I've heard the story before, but this story is. Anybody can relate to this story. Anybody who's <laughs> driven long distance with somebody in the passenger seat. So, so about thirty minutes in the drive, I'm like, bro, like I'm 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 hurting. He's like, already? I was like, yeah, I don't I don't know what it is, man. I'm 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 hurting. I'm starting to fade fast. We had these uh, energy drinks called Rippets. Rippets are unlike any energy drink we have here in America. Actually, they do have Rippets here now, but. Rippets are mostly fruit flavored, like nectarine, we'll say. Um, but what I didn't know was that these energy drinks also have chunks of the nectarines in there. So the first time you drink it, you want to vomit because you're getting chunks in your drink. Oh, geez. Yeah. It, 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 it threw me for a loop there. Anyway, so... Um, so we're on this trip and he's like, well, hold up, dude. He's like, what you want? You want SpaghettiOs? I got you. I was like, all right. So he makes me this MRE. I'm eating it as I'm driving and everything. I look over like five minutes later and dude's passed out. <laughs> we, we have music blasting in this thing. We had like our own little Jerry rigged, uh, sound system hooked up in this seven ton. And we're blasting music. The first, like, 10, 15 minutes of a convoy, everybody is hype as fuck, dude. Like, everybody's ready to go get some. After that 15 minutes, it drops off real fucking quick. It's like, it's, it's almost like the difference between going to spring break and then driving home after. Yes. (laughs) All within 15 minutes. Yeah, within like 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. So uh so homeboy passes out and uh I'm like, man, fuck this guy, right? So we get up there and I said, Hey man, I drove up here, you're driving back. He's like, All right, deal. He's like, You gotta stay awake the whole the whole way back. I said, Fuck that, I'm gonna take a nap. You took a nap on me, I'm gonna take a nap. He's like, All right, fine, whatever. Remember I said it was all uphill the way there. Yeah. The seven tons are limited at 50 or 55 miles an hour. Once you go over that, we'll say it's 55. Once you go over that, all kinds of alarms start going off saying that you're over speed. You're going to die. All kinds of shit, right? (laughs) (laughs) We're hauling ass down these fucking mountains and we're doing probably about 65 and he 
all of a sudden I feel rumble strips. I wake up. He's just in all his glory, just happy as fuck. And I was like, dude, what the hell? Like, what's going on? He's like, man, I am about to burn these brakes up right now. He had the, the Jake brake on and everything. I am about to burn these brakes up right now. I said, how fast are you going? He's like, 65, motherfucker. <laughs> Long story short, we end up getting uh, back to our base, and our sergeant major is pissed off because all he smells is brakes. <laughs> but, yeah, so that, that, was, that was a lot of fun. Um, and honestly, the, any kind of contact I had, whether it be Jordanian army, um, in Kuwait, uh, for the most part, they were pretty good. Um, I mean, might've had a few clashes here and there, but it's, uh, it's things like that, like, you know, keeping troops in Kuwait. It seems pointless, man. Uh, and it's, it's funny to me because in uh, same time frame, uh, 2000, I want to say it was 2008 when I went in, the unit that I eventually went to was over in Afghanistan and they set up the Kandahar air base. They were all living in tents. If you would have gone there about two years ago, they have full barracks with AC, restaurants, Burger Kings, Starbucks. And that's, and that's the thing is that people talk about how much money we spent over there. Mm-hmm. But that all of that shit is expensive. It's like, okay, it's going to take us a while to, to accomplish what we've got to accomplish over there are we supposed to have our military men and women just living in tents for their entire deployment? Or are we going to spend some U.S. tax dollars on erecting proper housing for these people? Like, do they, do they deserve proper housing or do you just want to shove them in tents for, for the remainder? Right. And, And, and for me, um, I mean, you know me, dude. I'm, I'm kind of like the gung-ho, hardcore, I think, still part of the old-school military mindset, I for, think. For sure. For sure. I, I think, fuck it, suck it up and live in the tent. You know, as long as you can have some kind of running water, whether it's, you know, used off of water collection and you're pumping it to make a shower or something like that, as long as you can have something like that, I'll speak for uh, my generation of Marines. I think we we would have been fine, you know, as long as we can get some kind of a shower and rinse off, whatever. Get our Fermunda cheese cleaned out and shit. We're good. Fermunda, <laughs> but uh, the schmegma. Get the schmegma, bro. I'm I'm telling you, when uh, at one point I remember we went into a. It was, it was either Army or Air Force Chow Hall when we were in Kuwait. It was Army because it wasn't super bougie. Uh, went into an Army Chow Hall and they had like pork chops for dinner and all that shit. Dude, we were so used to getting served slot. We thought we were in like a five-star establishment. <laughs> like it was, it was insane. 
and I'm just, one of my one of my good friends uh, down here. His son's over in Afghanistan right now. Actually, just touched down on Sunday. Wow! Um, so he's a part of the extraction. Yeah, he's actually uh, part of the unit that I was in when um, we were out on sea and everything. So he uh, just got dropped in there. He just told us a couple weeks ago, might have been a month ago now, he was in Kuwait and he went to a Air Force chow hall and people were sending their you know, pork chops back saying they were cold or something like that. Like, <laughs> it's just ridiculous, dude. But so, yeah, so he's, that's, an, that's another way for, for this to hit home for me too, is that I got a good buddy with a son, 19 year old kid, man. And this, this is where, where my struggle comes in is that, the dude's 19 years old uh, got put on this deployment that he thought was going to be super cake. And he, he was supposed to be home in September. I think it was middle of September and dude just got dropped in Afghanistan. So who knows how long he's going to be there. And he's scared shitless. Now, let me correct myself. I'm assuming he's scared shitless. Um, only because he told his dad on Sunday when he talked to him, he told his dad that he's scared because he just got put on the number two spot in a fire team. Yeah, which, I mean, there's a, a large majority of people that are going to listen to this that probably don't know what a fire team is. So, 30 second explanation. Go. Okay. I'll make it even easier for you. Uh, a fire team is part of a squad. Okay. Fire team is the four man part of what an eight man squad is. Okay. So an eight man squad gets split up into two. Boom. You got a fire team. Okay. So there's your quick rundown. And the fire team, they are the most of the time, they're the first to engage. If uh, like something were to go down or. Well, no, I, a fire team is just how they break it down. I got you. Just, just how to break it down to a smaller team. That's it. So, um, but so, all right. So say uh, we're about to enter a building. All right. Yep. The front man, number one, he's going to be the one to kick the door in or um, use the battering ram to bust the door down, right? Yep. Number two will be there to either help him with the battering ram or be the first guy into the building. Number three is he's just like the quick follow or um, in case... Number one and two, we're using the battering ram. Number three will be the first guy in there. Number okay. four, number four is really just coming up behind you and covering your six as well. So a lot Making of times, sure that nobody's coming, nobody's going to run up on you right. from behind. 
Right. So entering the building, number four guy will be facing away from the rest of the other three. Once you're in the building, he'll either cover the door or uh, just be the last guy to be following, uh, watching the six. Okay, gotcha. So the fire team is the split, and then each position is a specific person who is it basically inherits that position. Like you said, he's number two on the fire team. And when you're like in the example you use clearing a building, there's a specific order so that this way everybody knows their role because that's scientifically broken down clearing a building. You've got, you know, the the four positions and the angles and all that stuff. A lot of people can Google that shit, but, um, if he's number two, then if there's no battering ram, he's essentially first to engage because the right. first guy is taking out the door. Right. Okay, and, gotcha. And and so keep in mind, as you go through a building, like without giving all the stuff away, as you go through the building, your role might change. So you might go from a, a two to a number one or a three to number two or four to a number three, one to a number four depending on the layout of the building. Gotcha. So there's a little, there's leapfrogging going on. Right. Gotcha. Okay. So continue. So anyway, so uh, he's, he's, so he's scared. I mean, he has a right to be scared in a position like that. I I would be scared. So, and I don't give a fuck. And, (laughs) and, and at 19 dude, dude joined at, at 19. And uh, so far, well, I'm sorry, joined at 18, so he's been in a little over a year now. Um, dude joined, and nothing's really going on. Like, they're recirculating troops through Afghanistan, Iraq, you know. Let's, I, real quick, I just want to put this in perspective for the people listening that quite possibly their brains don't operate like ours or like mine. He's 19 years old. He just pulled the straw and is number two on a fire team and here in the states he couldn't legally purchase a handgun correct okay let's keep going <laughs> yeah so um i'm actually really glad you touched on that because i got a lot to say about that part um, <laughs> so uh so yeah so he's he's kind of stressed out man and obviously his dad is too i mean wouldn't you be Um, so what I tried to tell his dad and his dad knows me as the person I am today, but also before he enlisted, the two of them came over to my house and I sat down with the two of them and I gave them the rundown, the, the, the nitty gritty, you know, all the dirt really that you, you could get into. And this dude still signed up and enlisted as a grunt after me trying to persuade him not to do it because there's better things out there for you afterwards. A lot of times, I won't say 100% of the time, but um, so well, you, you were Motor T and then eventually ended up laying pipe with your boy Mickey D. That's right. Laying yes, the old pipe ski. And Lain, now. Lain. Laying the old pipe ski in the mud. Did that for eight years, and now I'm just a piece of shit. Anyway, so um, 
so yeah, so he's stressed out, whatever. I try to explain to his dad tonight, like, look, I know that you might be upset and or your anxiety might be high, but what I'm telling you from my point is he's been trained for this. He might not have bought in or got his brain washed as I did when I went in. Cause when I went in, I was all in. Um, I knew that I was going to be a Marine from uh, like no shit, probably the day after or two days after nine 11. Um, and that was only because I knew that I wanted to go over and fuck shit up. Yeah, so people were pissed. So that, rightfully, that was rightfully so too. But I was in seventh grade, dude. Yeah, but still, it, it doesn't matter. It, right? You know what I mean? It, you know, when you see that, you and you see that happen, you know that that's not correct. That's right. not how things are supposed to go. And if you have any semblance of appreciation for what we have here in the States. I mean, you were seventh grade, but you were in fucking free public school, right? Getting an education. I mean, there's a large portion of this world that still the kids don't even have that option. Or if they do, it's not safe. You know what I mean? Like you're not, you're not in a place that's like going to give you a quality education. It's pretty much like, this is how you do math. This is how you read. Okay. Get out there and work. Like here in the States, we have a a wonderful setup, despite the fact that I think that the public school system in the United States right now is crap. At least we have one. And so if you're in that and then you see this happening, it's okay to take pride in seventh grade. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's okay. Right. But yeah, so like I said, my my mindset was different than his. Yeah. Uh, And I think, you know, before going in, he was one of those gamer type dudes that he was on Call of Duty all the time. And he thought this is how the real military was and all that shit. So I think he's scared from that. But I told his dad, like, look, man, like, if he joined to do anything other than go fuck shit up, the Marine Corps was the wrong choice for him. Um, And... He was saying, you know, oh, he's he's just kind of nervous about being number two in his fire team because it's uh, a leadership kind of skill or a leadership kind of billet kind of thing. And I told his dad, I said, fuck that. Give me his gear. I'll go for him. I don't give a shit. And I'm telling you, man, it's uh, my wife and I had a conversation about tonight about how uh, this whole ordeal in Afghanistan is giving me like a certain kind of anxiety, dude. And clock's ticking on me, dude. I'm, I'm 32. Marine Corps doesn't let anybody in past 32. And I'm, I'm seriously debating on going back in. Uh, the only thing that's keeping me from going and talking to a recru- recruiter right now or prior enlistment recruiter right now is the fact that number one, I'm 32 Number two, I'm a father of two kids. I don't really yeah, want to. I, I mean, you know me. I'm very much invested in the information part on my end. And 
it's something that I'm very passionate about. And I can honestly say that we might be pulling out, but because of us pulling out and the, and the way that we're going, look, I, I'm my opinion. I, I don't like borders, but since we have one, we should probably treat it accordingly. Right. I'm not a big fan of being involved in other countries bullshit. And if I had it my way, we probably wouldn't still be there. We would have gone and fucked shit up because of nine 11 and gotten out of there, which all the experts say was that was accomplished a long time ago. That part of it, uh, we weren't there to like build a government basically, which is what we ended up doing regardless. And, um, John Lowell from warrior poet made a good point to that to the extent that we've never gone to war and then afterwards not given the keys back to the country and and before we give the keys back so like it's never been like a a takeover like other countries throughout history where they've gone in and they've literally taken over and now like afghanistan is a part of the u.s or kuwait is a part of the u.s like we've always given the keys back to the people but it's always been in a factor of making sure that they can handle the keys when, before we give them back. And there was a lot of skepticism about whether or not the Afghan forces and the people there were capable of handling those keys. And so we ended up there for a really long time. But my point being, um, I don't think that we should have hung around as long as we did. But since we did, we should be doing it the right way. And I'm in the opinion of vast majority of people who are enlisted or even just civilians like myself who are in the know and pay attention to this stuff that what is going on right now is not the right way. So, so real quick, let me just go ahead and, and, and say I don't um, align with either of the two major parties. Um, me either. Yeah. And point being, you know this isn't the last that we're going to see of all of this. Right. That was that was where I was going with that. And I, I brain farted because I get frustrated when I think about what's happening right now. But, you know, uh, so, yeah, I don't align with either party myself personally. But, but go but, ahead. But here's the problem with the whole pullout thing. OK, um, you have to do it in a slow and strategic way. You can't just fucking all at once. Um, And the, and here's the other thing about it too. I'm a strong believer that uh, even when you pull quote unquote, all the forces out, you need to leave people behind. Um, so instead of leaving, you know, a hundred thousand troops there, okay, I'd say leave twenty thousand troops there, because if there's one thing I've learned about the Afghani's is that they are um, far too incompetent that. They constantly need their hands held. And 
I think that's like the main reason why we have been there for so long um, and why we haven't pulled out since the whole start of everything is because we just don't have the trust in them because we've seen what happened with Iraq. Um, I mean, shit, we pulled out of Iraq and we were right back there two months later. Yeah, I remember that was like the George Bush like mission accomplished on the fucking yes. Air Force carrier, and yep. then it was like, oh wait, wait a minute. Yep, J.K. <laughs> I forgot my keys. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, um, so and and that's the the like I mean that's that's a prime example right there as to why you don't pull out all at once because it just it also creates- makes. And it also makes a mess. I mean, shit gets everywhere. You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. Like, okay, I know that sounds ridiculous. <laughs> sounds ridiculous, but like, well, I'm, what, I'm, what? I'm I'm equating arcing sprays of semen to like MRAPs and Humvees. And, <laughs> and, and, it's funny because my wife and, and shit all over Afghanistan. We just left them there. Like, can I get a towel, please? Yeah. <laughs> It, it's funny because my wife just walked out and she said lessons for life. <laughs> oh, Kells. She's the best. <laughs> but yeah, man. So it, it's just. And and here again, is just another uh, great example as to why you don't pull out at once. Because now look at all the. Um, all the weapons are in, and armory and. All of that is left behind. I mean, it's a fucking nightmare, man. And I, unfortunately, he was uh, trying to pull out to eliminate another generation, per his words, eliminate another generation of going through war. And unfortunately, I think all he did was prolong it even more. Well, the, here's the thing. Before we had eyes on people over there, and we could, and we had intelligence over there because we had, you know, those buildings that we built over there for our people to be there, and we were able to kind of keep an eye on things. It's not like there's a fucking ring doorbell on every goddamn building there, and we can just watch from our goddamn phones now. Right. So before it was like, okay, it was semi-active, but I've seen pictures. I think Tim Kennedy posted some shit, but I'm not hundred percent sure, but somebody posted some pictures and pointed out the fact that in all of the pictures posted from like 2018, all the Afghan, all Afghani freedom fighters and the Afghanistan uh, people that were in uniform holding weapons. And then you look down and their boots are untied because motherfuckers are relaxed. Like, yeah, yeah, there was some shit going on over there, but it was minor. It got to a point where it was minor and we could just kind of like keep him at bay and keep an eye on him. Now the babysitter's gone. She's in the bedroom with her boyfriend, you know, blowing the guy and the kids are fucking drinking Clorox. Right. And it's just a matter of now we're literally having to wait to see what happens. In, in, interesting analogy, by the way. I like that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. But you know what I'm saying, though? It's like we don't know what's going on now. Right. We don't, you know, they t- it, it, 
he mentioned something in one of his one of his fucking spiels that he put out recently that um the whole point was to stop them from planning terrorist attacks and we we accomplished that goal how the fuck do you know how do you know from senate chambers like how do anybody know uh, the if you studied any type of similarities between Vietnam and now, you know, a lot of people are doing the comparisons to the pullout, but the comparisons, if you're a student of history, go back to the, the style of fighting there. These people aren't on the computer. Like they're meeting in person and they're sending messengers and they're relaying shit. How do we pick up now that we've picked up and left? How do we pick up on what they are actually planning? You're saying that we accomplished that mission, but I think that that mission is far from over, especially now, because we're not going to know what they have in mind at this point with all of our weapons that we left them. You know what I mean? Like, right, right. they, They totally can plan point being, they have nothing obstructing them from planning. There's no, they literally took the capital. Like what? How, you're telling me that we accomplished what mission again? Because they obviously planned well enough right under our noses to accomplish what they've accomplished in the past month. Right. And and man, I'm telling you, the, the I, I hate to say it, but shit is going to get a lot worse before it gets better. Yeah, my, my struggle is that I have a major struggle on a side note of the fact that we are worried about terrorist attacks. The war on terror happened because of an attack that happened here on American soil. You have now obstructed our ability to see that coming, and at the same time, have a major push to de-arm U.S. citizens. Right. How does that math at, you don't ha- I mean, you could be against the Second Amendment. You can be pro-Second Amendment. But at the end of the day, if you, like we always say, it, it all adds up if you don't do the math. If you have an unarmed society and have placed weapons in the hands of the terrorists that you were charged to stop and failed in doing so and have now taken away your ability to surveil those people you've now made them more dangerous at the same time you are trying to take american people's ability to protect themselves in their own homes on their own property in their own country and you've done so in a parallel line, riding alongside each other. Eventually, that's all going to come to a head. Hold on, hold on. I mean, I feel that way. I feel like eventually some shit's going to go down. And they're probably going to sit on their thumbs and wait because they see what's happening in the news and stuff over here with trying to disarm Americans and all these regulations trying to regulate the second amendment out of existence because they can't outright take it away. I mean, if if that happens, that's going to be the end of it all for me. 
as a student of history, I, that's what I see happening. I, I mean, okay, all right. So, well, let's go. Let's go. Uh, short-term memory loss, uh, real quick. Okay. If, have you ever seen the movie Thirteen Hours? Of course. That just happened. That just happened just a few years ago, and it just happened a couple days ago, a week ago, whatever the hell it was now. Okay. So saying that um, history is going to repeat itself is an understatement because it's going to continue to do that in small forms and bigger forms. Okay. On top of it, um, the God bless it. I wish I remembered the the movie that I was thinking about. Where uh, it's not Denzel. It's another. God bless. Is it Jamie Fox? Maybe. Is it a war movie? Yes. All the King's Men? No. Okay. Shit, what is this? The, ki- the Kingdom? The Kingdom. That's what it is. I'm pretty sure it's the Kingdom. Is it the one where they, they're they there and they're investigating on the base because of the thing that the terrorist attack that happened on base at the softball game or whatever? And there was like, they went over there and like fucked shit up. It was kind of nope. like, uh, no, no, that's not it. Okay. No, well, I'm talking anyway. about. It's a, it's about, it's an, it's another movie about an embassy getting overrun. Yeah, I'm not. <sighs> yeah, we've got a few of those, but anyway, anyway, so, and it's based on actual facts. So history is repeating itself. It always uh, does. And what scares me the most is. All of this talk about, um, you know, disarming Americans as far as semi-automatic or automatic weapons and everything um, is that you have all this talk about it and everything. And then we just watched this go down a couple of weeks ago and you know there's people, politicians out there still pushing this propaganda that we need to eliminate the ownership of these weapons and everything. What happens if, um, let's not say on a 9-11 scale something happens, but um, some of these Afghans that just got evacuated... Now, they claim that they've been, most of them have been vetted. But you mean to tell me that there's not going to be any that slip through the cracks? Yeah. Did you vet Did you vet them while they were running down the tarmac? Right. Well, I mean, let's be honest here, Mike. A lot of those guys that were, or people that were running down the tarmac and climbing on to the, the planes. Yeah, they probably honest, didn't. The, yeah, not like the, they climbed in the window or something. Right. Yeah. The, the, yeah. I, I mean, videos show people are falling off there. There was plenty more, if not all of them, that fell off that thing. Uh, 
but still, you can't tell me that. You, so you you mean to tell me that you vetted everyone before they got on that plane? Yeah, I saw a picture. One of them was like four hundred and sixty something people, and then yeah. and there was like one guy with a mask on. <laughs> well, he's responsible. <laughs> he, he pays his taxes. He he was respectable. I bet he voted for Biden too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, no just, you're right. You're right. You're one hundred percent right, though. Like, or them coming through, you know, the either of our other borders because we do have two other borders. So, yeah. and here's the other thing that you got to think about too. So, all right. So these these um, these flights leaving from uh, Kabul. They're not coming straight to America. If they are, I'm super impressed. They're normally when they fly out of areas like that, they land in Germany first. And then from Germany, they take off from Germany and and come to the U.S. Now, I did just read something again. I don't know how true it is, but that they're going um, sending these planes to Texas and I think Wisconsin. So then what are they doing with these people once they get to those those states? Yeah, it's pretty interesting, too, that they, like, I mean, I'm not trying to get too conspiracy theorists here, but I will say that Texas has enough going on right now. Right. We could have, we could probably have picked something a little, a little closer to, like, a library or something. Not, you know what I'm saying? Like something where it's shit going on and maybe those people have a little more time to process. Yeah. Rhode Island. Hey, hey, Rhode Island is basically a town. No, nobody. There's not much, there's not much going on there. Exactly. Nobody has anything going on in Rhode Island. Yeah. Or, or just send them to Pennsylvania. Send them to Philly and just let them go. I was going to say, send them to Amish town, see what happens. But my thing is, like, I got a lot of homies in Philly. If you just take them to, like, North Philly or whatever and just, like, drop them off and just, like, all right, here's your your bag. Have a good one. And then just pull off and let the fucking homies handle it and see what happens. They're Baltimore. Oh, yeah. Well, isn't that Biden's? Fucking spot right there. No, no, no. I'm not talking about DC, Baltimore. Let, let, let Baltimore homeboys MS 13 handle them. Yeah. So, so let, let's, uh, so needless to say, it's safe to assume and safe to say now that we're a little over an hour in that you are not in agreement with the processes that have been implemented with this extraction of folks over there. Correct. Is that correct? Yep. And it's really easy for people. And this is why I wanted to have this conversation, not only because I love you and anytime I get a chance to talk to you, it's awesome, but also because there are a lot of people like with me not being a polarized person and trying to 
weed through the mess. And, you know, we both have that in common. We also probably both have a lot of friends on both sides of the aisle. Mm-hmm. And I've found that my friends on the Democratic side tend to take the word of their leadership at face value. Like if they say it, I mean, that must be what it is. Right. Right. Whereas, you know, people on the Republican side, it's the same, but it also comes from an ex- a, a, a place of experience because the vast majority of military men and women tend to lean conservative. Right. And so there's a little bit of fogginess on the democratic side. And I wanted, hopefully people will listen to this and hear from someone with some experience that it's not all peaches and cream. Like they try to make it seem and there is some very serious implications as to how this is getting rolled out. Well, and, and so that, that, that's another thing is that even in the last, we'll say eight years in the last eight years, uh, if you're paying attention to mainstream media, you're hearing very little about what's actually going on over there. I mean, th- this whole time we've had troops getting deployed and had troops coming home. And I think if, if you don't, if, if you think that, um, we just had like a small camp out over there and we pulled out and this is what happened um, that you need to do some serious digging because we've had, I mean, I don't even, I don't even know the exact numbers, but um, we'll say hundreds of thousands of troops over there um, for the last 15, 20 years, and they're steadily coming home. You're steadily bringing young men and women home that have just dealt with all kinds of loss and trauma and all that shit, and they're coming home to a nation who has just totally forgot that anything is going on. It's been completely erased from their memory because they're so busy worrying about gas prices and all that shit. They're not even thinking about there's still people actively deploying until something like this happens. So I think, uh, you know, it's easy to say you know, when we're first introduced to a war or early on in the time, it's easy to say, I support the troops and all that stuff. Yeah, you do like a ribbon around a tree in your front yard or something. And right. you're thinking, 
you think you're fucking accomplishing some shit. Right. It's hard to, um, and, and honestly, uh, it's hard to continue that because people are going to get bored with that over time. You know, the media is going to get bored with that over time, but it's, it's for someone like me, I'm not, I'm not here to say that I am uh, like, there's no certain reason that I am uh, like the most uh, patriotic person I know, but I will say that I am the most patriotic person I know. And that's only because I know how much I love this country. And again, for no reason there's there's it's not you know because i served or anything like that it's just i love everything about this country for the most part um it's hard to it's hard to say that you love this country via some type of a comparison when nothing compares right right that's what people don't understand it's like what do you love about this country well i it's just like when you're in a relationship with a significant other, they have their flaws, Mm -hmm. but they also have things about them that are amazing that caused you to fall in love with them to begin with. Right. And you don't focus on the flaws unless that person is actively making an attempt to change those things about themselves. Right. And we don't have control over that as citizens. That's the requirement of our of our government, right? To to recognize the flaws, and that's the reason why we have our First Amendment, so we can air out our grievances and let people know what we're unhappy about. Kind of like having a talk with your old lady, but at the same time, you still love, regardless of the flaws. There's still there's still an opportunity to be passionate about the good things that are there. Well, and 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 that's another thing too is. Um that I could I could preach about his loyalty. Um, uh, yeah. I feel like oh sorry. I feel you like karate, you doing karate in the garage? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I I, was, I thought you were on your way. Um no, but I, I think uh loyalty is a very um thrown around thing that people don't take as seriously anymore as they should. I mean, I even, I I even see it with um, this new job. I started Uh, the manager from first shift came up to me and was like, Hey, is your, is your supervisor slowing you down? I was like, no, he's, he's teaching me stuff. You sure you, I mean, trust me, your, your word is safe with me. And I'm just right away. I thought like, you really think I'm going to throw my supervisor under the bus? Yeah. Why would you even attempt to cause a riff at all? Right. That doesn't do anything for morale or, or productivity. Right. So I'm going to sit here and I'm going to say, no, I'm good. Even if he was slowing me down, I'm not going to say it. And yeah, there's, there's, there's a real struggle with with uh, the thought that everything has in life has to be transparent. Sometimes 
having a little bit of fog isn't a bad thing. Well, and I honestly, like I said, man, I, it's it's a thing of, of loyalty for me. I think it's not taught anymore. And I just don't think people... just people don't value it like they used to and i it's it i don't know what it has to do with like what what got it to that point um and i i had a uh, a theory a couple months ago i don't know if i ran it by you or not uh i like theories rubs so, chin gently conspiracy um, so, so my theory and bear with me here, cause it might not even totally make sense, but my theory is that, um, we slowly, not whatever, slowly bring the pledge of allegiance back into schools. Now, my wife is a school teacher. She says the Pledge of Allegiance never left schools. It was always in schools. Um, it's just that the kids have a choice whether they want to stand and say the pledge or if they want to do work through it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I look back at my school age, and if I was given the option, I probably would have out because it's boring it's not fun whatever but however i was forced to say the pledge of allegiance yeah you can't then, give you can't give kids a choice that's when right they're up to a certain point that's it's right like, and and so so that's what i was getting at long term was make the kids stand up say the pledge okay make them for lack of better term, uh, claim their love for the country, right? So once you get into that, you make the kids stand up. The kids don't have a choice anymore, and they're forced to stand, or else you actually enforce some kind of discipline. I don't even know what the hell that that even means nowadays because everybody can just say that they're fucking offended. But look, take a 10 year old who hasn't taken a shower in four days. Yeah. And then be like, Hey, you probably need to take a shower, but I mean, that's up to you if you want to take a shower or not. I mean, chances right. are he's probably gonna get distracted doing something else. And then he's not going to shower for a fifth night. That's right. Make there's, the kids, there's, there's a reason. <laughs> make the kids stand up, say the pledge again. Right now, this this is a long a long term plan that I had. So, in ten years from now, those kids that are, you know, freshmen in high school, um, seventh eighth graders in in school, ten years from now, they're going to have that sense of pride back, right? Mm-hmm. Um, especially those kids that are in third, fourth, whatever, they're going to have that sense of pride in their country back, right? 
that's how you re rebreed patriotism back into society here in America, I think, is that you force them to do it first, right? And then eventually, once they graduate high school, then it's on their own terms, whatever. I was yeah. forced I was forced to stand up and say the pledge. And when I say forced, I mean it was a uh uh of, it was part of the deal. Yeah, it was. It, that's you that's knew what you had you to get up. Everybody stood did. up. Right. Same thing for me. Yeah, everybody stood up. Right. Nobody. There was a choice. No choice. It, yeah, it wasn't like forced upon to where if you didn't, you were like snatched up by your freaking right. collar, and right. you know what I mean, like Gestapo style. But it was understood that everybody stood up for the flag and right. stood up for the pledge. And, uh, unfortunately. You're gonna have to. Uh, you're gonna have to do something there to begin with. You know what I mean? Like you, you can't just say like, "Hey, you gotta stand up." You know, like the the initial start would be hard, but one, two, three years into it, the kid's gonna be like, just like a dog. What's that shit? Uh, Pavlov's treat, whatever the fuck it is. Pavlov's theory. The, yeah, you ring the bell, the dog's gonna come run for a treat because he gets so, a treat every time you ring the bell. Right. So you do that with a kid with the pledge of allegiance. Now that I'm voicing this out loud, it sounds really fucked up. It sounds Sorry. fucking terrible. Are you tell, <laughs> are you saying that our children are just like dogs? And we yes. pretty much can make them do whatever we want through the process of positive enforcement and negative enforcement. Yes. I have a four year old. It's actually, it's actually a hundred percent true. It's actually a hundred percent true. For but, to, 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 to think that at human, just because we're human beings that we have a brain that we're any different uh, to the, in our core uh, than any other creature walking this planet. I mean, it's 100%. If your kid's acting up and you punch him in the face, what? and then when he's really good, you give him a snicker, there's a pretty good chance that he's just going to be good from now on because he doesn't want to get punched in the face anymore. God damn, I thought you were going on a completely different way from that, but okay. Yeah, I'll go with that. <laughs> I'm just, I know you're not Catholic. What? Uh, <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> Edit that out, dude. Bleep. Oh, I think I believe it. <laughs> no, man, it's just no. Your theory is good though, because here's the thing: I think the same thing. Here's my theory, and I love your theory. My theory goes right in line with your theory. There's a lot of talk in schools and stuff like that. You've got all this bullshit. People are all over the place with the critical critical race theory thing. I'm, I'm totally whatever. Do what you got to do. My thing is, I feel like it needs to be balanced. The ding and the yang. Perfect mm -hmm. balance, man. If you're going to if you're going to talk about all the bullshit that the that the US is responsible for throughout history, which I agree that you should, you should also equal parts talk about the the foundations of this country that are awesome and compare it to other countries within that education so that children can say, 
yes, we've got some fucked up shit that's happened here. But at the same time, in comparison to these places, we've got it pretty good. If you give them a 50-50, again, back to the positive and negative reinforcement. If you talk about how positive, you know, the positive aspects of American history and those things that got us to where we are today, and then you talk about the negative aspects, you're gonna you're allowing them to differentiate the difference between the two. Now, did the United States become the greatest superpower in the world because of 500 years of free labor? at the hands of like violence and murder. Absolutely. Right. I'm not going to dispute that 100%. That's what happened. But at the same time, once that was ended, what we did with our time through democracy and freedom and capitalism is also a big reason why we have strengthened this country to what it is. And the reason why we're still where we're at now that's slipping a little bit hold on but we got to teach the kids both sides of the story can i can i ask you a question though sure has that really ended yes and no for certain individuals it has i i am a big believer in and this is where us not being a part of red or blue we can actually differentiate and look at the nuance on stuff. I am right. a strong believer in school to prison pipeline. Yep. But if you take prisons and stop them from being a like a privately run institution for the most part and start really focusing on actual rehabilitation and focus on keeping dads in the home and focus on trying to establish some help for these, you know, inner city and underprivileged kids through the public education system, which is what we're supposed to do to begin with. You're probably going to reduce that. That well, we, we don't, we don't do that though. But yeah, I was going to say, and they're not, we going don't to. teach financial literacy. We don't, we don't focus on making the real world issues. Interesting. It's like, why are you focusing so much on this critical race theory shit instead of teaching these kids how to balance a fucking checkbook? How about that? You know what I'm saying? Like that's right. to me, that's we should be putting more emphasis on what we should be teaching as far as it pertains to like real world and what you're, what's going to happen to you when you're an adult versus worrying a lot about what has already happened in the past. Don't make them think that they're already behind the eight ball. Give them the information that they're going to need. Well, and and therein lies the problem is that they're not going to, um, these prison systems aren't going to uh, enlighten these inmates because how else would they make money? Exactly, turning customers just like Starbucks does. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. They got, and, and that's why the, the there is no focus on what's happening in 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 the homes of of individuals. Everybody's they're they're more worried about preaching about how terrible it is than giving them the tools and the opportunities to get them out. And it takes more than just you know 
subs, you know, helping a single mom out or something like that. Like, how about instead of that check coming in the mail every month, a person comes into the home and assesses the situation and says, like a social worker, and just says, hey, here's where you can work on trying to, you know, here's what you could do to, to manage your time a little bit better and to work on potentially getting yourself, you know, how about instead of worrying about free college for everyone, we just try to give free college to the people that have been given a bad deal yeah, and, and, need the, and need the help and are actually wanting to better themselves, but probably don't have the ability. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Unlike oh. Lee Lawford or whatever the fuck her name was, who, what was her name? Who? Wasn't it Cindy Lawford? I might have just made just you made it. up a complete. You made a person up. Congratulations. Now, Cindy Lawford is a real person. Oh, uh, Cindy Lauper? Girls just want to have fun. Girls just want to have fun. Um. <laughs> no. Who is? No, the, I know. I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. The, what was her fucking name? I don't. I don't know. The chick one that of just bought things. her kids fucking college. Yeah, you. I mean, I know who you're talking about. She's married to Massimo. I know exactly who you're talking about. I didn't know that. You. I think you just made that name up. No. So the this woman who was in Full House, really awkward shove into fake. <laughs> the the chick that was in Full House. Yeah, her. What's her name? I don't. Cindy. Lori Lori Laughlin. No, something Cindy like Lopper. that. <laughs> No, okay. So I, but I she is right. married to she is married to the designer Massimo. And the reason why I know this is because I bought a Massimo bathing suit from Target one time. Oh god. <laughs> but yeah. I gave you, I gave you yeah. all the education you needed, huh? That's all I need to do. <laughs> but no. But for real, like I I knew exactly who you were talking about when you were saying it. Even though yeah. you didn't remember her name. And then to be honest with you, I think I may have gotten her name wrong. I don't really care. Point <laughs> being, people of influence who have money, I think the story is not that the rest of us are behind the eight ball. I think this, the story is the people with money and influence are the ones that can afford to buy the eight ball. Yes. And so therefore, we don't even have one. Right. And we're just trying to snort too, man. Yeah, I mean, what I just I just want to send my kid to college so that she could not she can self proclaim to not do any of the work and just want to be there to party. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, um, dude, doesn't that I mean? But doesn't that retract right back to the old saying that it starts in the home? Dude, you're gonna get me started on something completely different here. No. We don't have to talk about that. That's a whole different podcast. But what, I, but what I will say is that if you if you breed a schlup and teach them in the home that they don't have shit to worry about because mommy and daddy have money, then that when that person grows up, they're going to have a really distorted view about the rest of the people in the world. Exactly. Just like if you... Um... To go on the other side of that, um, if you are using the system, whether it be 
uh, disability, welfare, whatever, and you are actually like 100% able to work, and you end up teaching your kids, this is what mommy or daddy does to make sure that we have uh, money coming in. What do you think that kid's going to do? That kid's going to see the easy way out. The kid is going to, for for no fault of his own, take the easy way out. I mean, why wouldn't why wouldn't you go for the easy paycheck? Well, and you know, and that's the th- when you look at. So, like, if you think back, right? If you it, all the research that I've done and 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 the news articles that I've read and listened to and all that, whenever I hear of a from the started from the bottom now we're here type of story that Mm -hmm. doesn't have anything to do with being really good at throwing a ball or being good at dancing actually somebody who like worked two jobs while going to college and got themselves through school and graduated with honors and that when you hear that story even if they came from humble beginnings and even if their mother or their parent of choice was uh, was able to give them a certain quality of life because of taking advantage of a uh, you know a subsidy like welfare or something like that, right? That just kind of helped them keep up so that they weren't down. Mm-hmm. You hear uh, they always say, "My mom took the bus." Every day, woke up, made sure that we were good for school and had breakfast and took the bus across town and worked two jobs. And you hear about the struggle of the parent to make sure that they provided a life. That kid recognized that hard work and was okay with doing the hard work themselves. Are you, are you, hold on, are you referring to Kevin Hart at all? I don't know his history, but it. Oh my <laughs> god, dude! Okay, all right. Is it? Does it sound a lot like that, though, bro? You have to either listen to the audiobook or actually read his book. I have, I have his actual book here, but I've listened to his audiobook like three times through of his life. It is fucking hilarious, but it's also like it also shows why he's in the position that he's in right now. Because I mean, I do know that early on there was there was a lot him and Chappelle too. Like Chappelle's mom used to drive him. Yeah, yeah. When he was like fourteen, she would get off of work, pick him up, drive him to the comedy club, and stay there till like three o'clock in the morning and let him do his shtick. Yeah, I do. Um, I'm telling you, you isn't that kind of the point though? Is that the hard work? It filtered down. It fucking it reagan it reagan from mother to child. It it trickled down. You know, you know what really pisses me off about this though? What's that? Uh, about this this whole like uh situation you're talking about is you're talking about the people that throw balls or dance really well. And the people that are in the middle don't get highlighted. 100%. And, and there's some people that are in the middle there that are, or step below there that deserve to be highlighted and they don't get it. And 
like for for me I don't know. I, I, I just think like there's so much going back to me loving this country. There's so much that I love about this country. Dude, if you sit down and you just talk to and and you know what? I challenge you to find a random stranger and just sit down and talk with them. You'll be blown the fuck away, dude. The other night, I got off work at like 3.30 in the morning, I think it was. I stopped at the gas station to get a, a can of dip. And there's a guy out there asking for money. I just sat there and talked with him for about an hour. Just about like random shit. And when someone came walking up, I'm like, hey, dude, go ahead. Go ask for money. I'm not trying to hold you up or anything this dude turns out that like all he all he knows is like detailing cars and everything he was showing me pictures of of stuff that he's done if you it all it all boils down to just be a good person and don't treat treat people like shit yeah i mean i couldn't agree more like, I mean, get to know the people that you're surrounded by. And I'm not even just talking about your friends. Like, know who your neighbors are, I think, is, is, is my biggest thing. Is like, <laughs> when, when I first moved to this house, man, I'm sure I told you about this. When I first moved to this house, I had a neighbor... Um, I invite him down, whatever, to our house. We had, we were having a fire, and uh, invite him down, whatever. Well, the next week he was having a fire at his house. He's like, "Come on down." I'm like, "All right." We're sitting there talking, blah blah blah, shooting the shit. And he's like, "What do you do for a living?" And I was like, "Oh, landscaping, construction, kind of stuff." He's, "Oh, okay." And uh, got into a like a deep conversation, and then finally I was like. This was an hour, maybe two hours later of me dropping F-bombs and all that. I said, I'm sorry. I never asked you. What do you do? He said, I'm a pastor down at the church down the street. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about insert foot and mouth. Oh, God. And I know you, man. Uh, That's uh, our vocabulary. Yeah. Is not is not the greatest. I don't even know how I do a fucking podcast. I don't even know if I'm doing a good one Which because by, of my my language and my vocabulary. By the way, I also just want to uh, go ahead and throw back that remember all those times working together, how we always said that we should have cameras in the truck with us? Uh-huh. We should have. What the fuck took us so long to talk? I don't record? know. Damn, I don't know. Man. I think we, we missed our shot. We should have GoPro'd and and suction cupped and we do we would have had a show for sure. At least some type of a YouTube channel. See, back then though, here's the thing. Me and you were too busy being awesome to be concerned with YouTube. It was only true. when it was only when we separated and we weren't together anymore that we didn't have anything else interesting going on. So we started looking at our phones a lot more. 
Yeah, this is true. Prior to us separating and not spending every day together, um, we were pretty entertained. Yes. Which, again, brings us back to we should have had cameras in the truck. What are you Alexa, are you- stop. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. That was awesome. Dude. What the hell? Alexa started playing like genuine or some no, <laughs> kind of sexy time music. I trapped myself in the bedroom because my kids were going to school. I didn't want them to see me and get all excited. And I walk out, and my wife is playing Dan and Shay. And I'm not trying to make babies right now, man. I'm not trying to make babies right now. We're trying to talk politics. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck out of here, Dan and Shay. Oh, that's awesome, dude. Dude, I'm going to be honest with you. This was an amazing chat, and I would love to like do it again because there's so many subjects out there that, you know, I do miss those days in the trucks that me and you used to used to have. Um, and we should do this more often. I think maybe like, so, uh, I, I, I watched a lot of Tim pool and, and he always has, um, uh, a repeating guest, uh, Jack Murphy. And it's like a every third Wednesday type of thing. And uh-huh. it's always, it, I mean, it's always clutch because they have such a good banter and like, uh, a, a good chemistry together. And I, I would love to do something like that with us just like once, once a month bust out you know, an hour and a half like we just did and and shoot the shit. Did we but did we just do that? We did an hour and a half. With, it's an hour and 37 minutes right now. God damn. Like, right? Doesn't even seem that way. I've got to go to work and you've got to go to sleep. Yeah, dude. It's 7.15 in the morning. <laughs> I, I will say this in closing. Um, I think that more people, like you said, even... I think that there's a lot of people that are very fair weather in their communication, even with their friends and don't really talk about issues that much. Mm-hmm. So you don't really get a firm grasp on how that person, you know, th- that person's uh, feeling on things and where, where they tend to lean, not politically, but just on a right, wrong, you know, 10 commandments type of thing. Yeah. hundred percent. I think that we spend a lot of time having a lot of fun uh, and we don't have, we don't ask the questions that actually allow us to get to know each other. Me and you spent eight to 10 hours, sometimes 12 hours a day together for a number of years, every single day, almost like, you know, a couple of guys would in a unit. And um, I think that having that time, you kind of the small talk goes away very quickly because of the amount of time that you're spending. And that's when you really get to know somebody and get to know if that person is family or not. And we, we had that opportunity. I'm blessed to have you as a friend. I appreciate your service. And I also appreciate your time as my, my main bro. And um, I appreciate you being on my first, being my first interview on my podcast. Uh, six people, six people will listen to this, and Whoa. it'll be, and it'll be amazing. Whoa! I mean, we're on we're on the rise of the top, dude. Uh, yeah, I definitely want to do this monthly. Let's do one of these uh, uh, every month. I'm down with it, dude. Really, I am. Um, B 
because uh, ever since you moved away from your beloved Cole, um, I honestly, I don't have uh, anyone around here that I even feel comfortable having these kind of conversations with because they do, a lot of people do lean one way or the other. And there's not a whole lot of in between. Um, so just like you said, man, I, I miss our, uh, our daily conversations, whether be disagreements or whatever. I mean, shit, let's not lie. It wasn't easy working around each other. Like every, every day, but, uh, I think it's safe to say that it was, uh, in 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 my viewpoint, it was some of the best days of my life, honestly. So, well, yeah, let's bust this. Let's bust this out. Let's do this monthly. Um, today's Wednesday, and I think it actually is what the third Wednesday of the month. So we'll we'll run a Tim Pool Jack Murphy schedule, and we'll bust this out every third Wednesday. Okay, I'm I down. like it. I like it. I'm going to be doing a series too. Like I'm going to, you know, I really feel like it's important for people to have conversations like this about uh, current events with people that have experience within it. So I definitely am going to get with um, my boy Sid and my boy Mike, who are also military, but they're in different levels. Sid just retired after 19 years. Mike is in uh, the National Guard. Um, so I can get, you know, we're going to get every level of conversation from every, every point of view, but I definitely, um, am glad that you broke the ice and, uh, I appreciate your time. Absolutely, dude. Quick, quick rundown though. Uh, it, it wasn't done the way it should have been done. I agree. That's it. I agree. And. Uh, well, I'll leave it there. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I'll talk to you on the side about that. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. There's certain things that we definitely don't, we don't want to get shut down on the first one, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> let's not go balls out yet. Uh, Will Miller, my man, uh, we'll, we'll do it again soon. And, uh, you know, call me after you wake up before you go to work and whatnot. And, uh, I'll holla at you. Sounds good. All right, brother. Take it easy. Yeah, man. Love you. Love you too, brother. Bye. Bye.